I don't always introduce people who, from our local church who bring the word. But, you know, I've often said, when, especially when people are bringing the word for the first time, I've often say, look at something that is, is so part of you. This is, like, this is like your life message. And this is actually, I'm not going to say what Cassie is speaking about. But this is the second time. It's like, he says it's a part two of a message which he's brought before. But I actually think that this message has, has impacted Cass just so deeply that this isn't a message he's bringing. This is like a life message. This is, this is, like, this is him. This is the real deal. And so I just want to ask you, just really open your hearts. Um, I've heard Cass, what he's going to preach, I've often heard him pray this, I've often heard him speak this. So this isn't something he just got this week, you know, uh, you know a heavy revy, <laughs> you know, download from heaven of, oh wow, this, this aspect. This is something he's lived and talked and walked for many years. So just really open your heart for this word. Amen. Thank you. Morning, church. Everyone hear me? I'm all loud and clear. It's really a great privilege to bring the word this morning, as usual. Um, maybe I should just say something about our church leaders, Jock and Jenny. You've known them, you've seen both of them, but they do really do love Jesus. They love people. They love hiking and camping in the berg, and I believe that they love making angels sing as well. Chuck, <laughs> last week I thought that one's going to come back to bite you. <laughs> now, on the 6th of December last year, I preached a message titled The Goodness of God. Um, and when I was preparing the sermon this week, there are two pieces of scripture which the Lord has, has laid on my heart quite some time ago. Um, and I don't really know which one I'm going to preach on. It's actually the, the other scripture, the one I'm not preaching on today, that I, that I thought would, would be um, the sermon. And then the Lord just kept bringing me back to the one that I'll be preaching from today. And I don't have a, a, a title or theme for it. I don't know what it, what it was about. And then the Lord said to me, it is about the goodness of God. He just showed me it's about the goodness of God. So that is my title to, of the sermon today, The Goodness of God, Part 2. Um, and this title was, was published this morning only. The worship team set their, their song selection earlier in the week. And as we got to church this morning, got, got out of the car, they were rehearsing that song, The Goodness of God. Um, I didn't communicate it to them. They didn't communicate it to me that that would be the song that they'd be singing. And that is just confirmation that this word is for today. Yeah. It's for this season. It is for those who, who are here today and who are following it 
on, um, on the media. Um, the previous time that, that I preached on the goodness of God, I said that I'm really not qualified, not equipped to preach on it. Because the more time you spend on it, the more you realize that he's so big, he's so good, that it's so difficult for the human mind to contemplate the extent of the goodness of God. So Father, I just pray that, that you would just show us through this word a bit more of your goodness. Amen. On the previous occasion, again, I said that, sorry, is this too high, too low? Is this better? I said that um, many European countries are facing the so-called second wave of, of the coronavirus that was last year, December. It was at the end of a year which we've never known before, a type of year which we've never known before. There were difficulties and so on. Um, and now we stand, 10 months later, um, we've had our third wave. Um, we've had looting this year. This has really been a much more difficult year than the previous one. And um, I also said that as of today, the world has recorded 65 six million infections. If we can have that first slide, perhaps. Um, and there were 1.5 million deaths. South Africa at the time had 800,000 infections and 21,800 deaths. Now, as of today, I don't have the exact figures, but earlier in, in the week, the worldwide f infections were over 230 million. 65 million 10 months ago, 230 million as of this week. Deaths over 4.7 million, where it was 1.5. South Africa, as I said, we had 800 infections, um, 21,800 deaths. As of this week, we had 2,880-plus infections and 86,000 deaths. So it is really a year where many of you would say today, I don't know if God is good. I have lost a loved one or loved ones. I have, I have contracted coronavirus and now I struggle with health issues. Or I've lost my job. The looting, I've lost my business through that. Financially I'm ruined. How can you say that God is good? I really doubt that. And it's okay if you feel like that. It's okay. Advocacy is the act of persuasion 
So an advocate is given a, the laws, a set of facts, and precedents. Precedents would be how courts in the past interpreted certain legislation, certain laws, and applied it. And an advocate is given that set of facts, and he or she has to take that and through arguing it, persuade the judge to rule in his or her client's favor. And of course, he or she has an opponent who does exactly the opposite. Forget about uh, guilt or innocence. It's not just about criminal laws, civil law, contractual law, and so on. So, and the advocate can't change the facts. It is there. He's got to work with that and persuade. And it's not up to him or her to decide. It's up to the judge to decide which, which argument is acceptable, is preferable, under the circumstances with those facts, the laws, and the precedents. Today, I'm going to give you the facts. And I'm going to leave it to you to decide whether God is good or not. I'm not going to decide. It is up to you to decide. And in doing so, Paul um, refers to, to milk and solid food. So I am going to go out from, from the point of view that we all accept that the Bible is God's word, that it's inspired by, by God, and it's the truth. Are you okay with that? Um, we're going to go on to solid food, although Paul uh, refers to the raising of the dead as solid food. We're not going to that extent yet, but I just want to have it clear that I accept that you all accept the word of God as the truth. And our scripture today comes from Joel chapter 2. I actually wanted to read the whole of, of the book of Joel. Um, it's only got three chapters, but because of time constraints, I decided only to read chapter 2. We're going to read all 32 verses, so bear with me. I would encourage you to um, go and read the rest of Joel um, in your own time. Now, we don't know a lot about Joel. He was a prophet. It's not clear whether he lived 900 years before Jesus' birth or five or 600 years before. Um, chapter 1, verse 1 tells us who his father is. There's not a lot known about his father either. But the fact of the matter is whether Joel wrote this prophecy 3,000 years ago or 2,500 years ago. It is applicable to today. It is applicable to our circumstances today, as you would see. Um, just the background setting in chapter 1, <coughs> the Lord tells his people that he is going to send destruction. Um, the prophet refers to the drunkards and those who get drunk with wine. So, again, we don't know exactly what was going on, but the, referring to the drunkards is an indication that the people lived a life of self-indulgence. Morals weren't very high and so on. And the Lord sent this word that he is going to send a swarm of locusts to destroy 
the land. Again, it's not clear whether he referred to locusts, physically, physical locusts, the insects, or whether it was a reference to an army or another nation that would come and that would invade. <coughs> locusts was, however, something which the, the Jews, or the Israelites rather, associated with. Um, the farmers knew what a swarm of locusts can do, and I've seen it in a day. A swarm of locusts can destroy completely a harvest within a day. So in chapter 1, verse 4, he refers to what the locust swarm has left. So after the swarm has gone through, if there's anything left, he says the great locusts have eaten. And what the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. So if there's anything left, anything after two sets have gone through, then the young ones would eat it. And then he goes further, what the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. So the message is clear. We're talking about complete, total destruction. <coughs> then if we can take it that as, as the background, if we can take it then um, from chapter 2. And chapter 2 is divided into different sections um, when it was published. First of all, the army of locusts and then um, the call by the prophet and so on. Um, I'm going to, you can follow it in your Bible, I see they've got it up on, on the slides, but the first 12 chapters, are, I want you to close your eyes and to listen to this and to try and imagine the scene as if you would be watching a movie. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. A day of darkness and gloom. They have clouds and blackness, like dawn spreading across the mountains. A large and mighty army comes, such as was never of old, nor ever will in ages be uh, ages to come. Before them, fire devours; behind them, a flame blazes. Before them, the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them, a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop along, the, uh, gallop along like cavalry. With a noise like that of chariots, they leap over mountaintops. Like a crackling fire, consuming stubble. Like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them, nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city 
They run along the wall. They climb into their houses like thieves. They enter through the windows. Before them the earth shakes. The sky trembles. The sun and moon are darkened. And the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? So that is the picture that the Lord gives <coughs> of the destruction that is to come. Then we take it up from verse 12. And we read, Even now declares the Lord, Return to me with your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rent your heart and not your garment. Return to the Lord your God. So, in this situation where the Lord says, I've had enough. Enough. I am sending this destruction. There will be nothing left. And if anything is left, there will be another wave to destroy it. But even now, despite the fact that I'm so angry with you that I'm going to do this, even now at this moment, return to me. Rent your heart to me, not your garments. You see, in those days, if people would mourn, they would tear their clothes, put ash on their heads. They would put on sackcloth. The Lord is not interested in their outer appearance. He's interested in the heart. So he says, come to me in this situation where you've angered me. Come with your heart to me. And then... The prophet says, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Now, abounding in love. I want you to First of all, abounding comes from the Latin word abundanti. Um, and Lewis and Short is the most authoritative Latin English dictionary. It consists of 219 pages. It was printed in 1850. This is how it translates. Abundia, as abundance, plenty, fullness, richness, overflowing in great profusion of abundance, abundantly, exceedingly, more than satisfied. Great luxuriance to overflow with anything, to have an abundance, a super abundance. Remember in the prayer meeting, 
I refer to abundance, and I said, underline that word. We'll get back to it. Now, the God that created the universe, that when he said, let there be light, light came flowing from his mouth at a speed of 299,800 kilometers per hour. That's more or less the speed of light. That is what happened when he said, let there be light. The God who, as he spoke, 100 billion galaxies are formed. I see Stella smile and um, she says, I can't preach without referring to that. But, but that creator, the one we, we read from, in Revelation 4 verse 3, who sat on the throne, the appearance of Jasper and Cornelian. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and pearl of thunder. Who wiped out Sodom, who sent rain to cover the whole earth. That God is overflowing with love. Can you imagine that? Can you picture God on the throne room? He is abounding in love. Love flows from him. We know that God is love. God is love doesn't mean a mathematical equation, God equals love. It is not that because that means it is similar to. Five times two is equal, similar to ten. God is not similar, God is love. That is who he is, that is what he is. And it flows from him all the time. I imagine walking past the Father, and getting emerged in love, as if you go through a river. Because that is who and what He is. We have to appreciate what is meant when He says He's abounding in love. Where does it come from? It is referred to by the psalmist in Psalm 103, verse 8, and 145, verse 8. But it's not David who through his experience in walking with the Lord said that God is abounding in love. No. It is the Lord himself. He said to Moses in Exodus 34, 5 and 6, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So that is what he said. Do you know when he said that? He said that after the people made the golden calf, and when Moses had to go back and had to actually uh, cut the, the stone tablets himself. That is when he said to Moses, despite those people, I am abounding in love. 
<clears throat> is God good or not? Don't answer me. Just think about it. If you hear this, in the midst of the circumstances where he says, I'm sending this destruction, but turn to me, I'm abounding in love. Is that a good God or not? He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? Verse 14. He might turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. So he says, I'm, I'm bringing destruction, punishment. But turn to me. The prophet says, he might turn it into a blessing. So Take a punishment and turn it into a blessing. Is that good or is it bad? You decide for yourselves. But um, w when he says that, who knows, he may turn and have pity. I had a discussion with Jacques about two or three weeks ago after one of the Alpha sessions on prayer. And I s this is my question, or was my question to Jacques. Can we change God's mind through prayer? Can we move God, we as his children? Joel seems to think so. Because Joel says he may turn and have pity and turn it into a blessing. But Again, as I said, let's look at precedent, what happened in the past. So, if we go to Genesis 18, and this is a discussion which Abram had with God. God visited Abram with two angels, and he is going to wipe out Sodom, the city. And the angels leave to go and execute this. And then Abram said to the Lord, and forgive me, we're going to read a lot, but, but it's fine. The word of the God is good to read. So Abram says, he approached him, the Lord, and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will you not, will you not the judge of the earth, do right? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? The Lord said, if I find 45 there, I will not destroy it. So twice, it changes the Lord's decision. But, you know, Abram walked with the Lord. He's, he's referred to as a friend of the Lord, so we can understand why 
he would say, once again I spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? The Lord said, for the sake of 40 I will not do it. Abram's not satisfied. He said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abram said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 25 can be found there? He said, for the sake of... Um, so, what if 20 can be found there? The Lord said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found? And the Lord said, for 10, I will not destroy it. We read in Exodus 32, verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. This was when the Lord, Moses was up with the Lord, gave, the Lord gave him the Ten Commandments and they built the calf, and the Lord said, the people down there, you see what they're doing. So he says, they're stiff-necked people, now leave me alone, Moses, so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that you brought them out? to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster upon your people. And then the Lord says in verse, 13, uh, this, in verse 14, the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Um, we also read of Jonah who was sent and sorry just bear with me where is Jonah Jonah's hiding away Jonah when he brought the message eventually the king said who he called upon the people to fast. And he said, who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fear anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. To be this is an indication that through prayer and through rendering our hearts, we can change God's mind with respect. I use that word. And you may say to me, yes, but Abram was the friend of God and Moses um, 
Moses spoke to God face to face. I am just a mere student. Who am I? Don't, don't compare me to, to those guys. Jonah was a prophet. Well, I do have an answer for you. The answer is twofold. The first one is Jesus in Luke 18 referred to the parable of the um, persistent widow. So what happened is there was a judge and he was not a righteous judge and he didn't fear the Lord. And this widow came to him and she asked him to, to give her whatever she, uh, her case was, whatever she called for. And maybe I should just read it quickly. Um, for some time he refused, this is now the judge, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her complaining. And then Jesus said, listen to what the unjudged said, and will not God bring you bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? So if Jesus says that the Lord will listen to our consistent prayers, that is good for me. That's the first reason. The second one is Moses, Jonah, Abram lived before the, cro the cross. We live after the cross. We've got free access to the Father. We also can speak to him face to face. Let's go on. Verse 15 is now again a calling to blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber, let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar, let them say, spare your people, O Lord, do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword amongst the nations. Why should they say amongst the people, where is their God? So, same as in the first couple of verses where, where trumpet was to be blown. But first of all, the trumpet was to be blown to, as a warning for the destruction. Now, the prophet says, again, to all people, blow the trumpet, call them, call them to, to the Lord. Call them back to the Lord. And then we find... From verse 18, we find the Lord's answer to the people coming to him. He says, verse 18, Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. Um, the Ten Commandments, the Lord says, I am a jealous God and always thought that, that or that was a scary thought to me until that song of Jesus' culture says, um, he, he's jealous for me, love like a hurricane or whatever. And, and I just realized that that jealousy, his love is so much that he, he just doesn't want us 
to allow anything to come in between us and him. That is what it means. It's not, I am jealous because Jock's got a nice running watch. It's not something like that. It's a good thing. He's jealous. He wants our all, our everything. Again, in, if you have to persuade someone in, in, um, of an argument, the use of words in, in an act is very important and how you interpret it. We read that Joel says in verse 14, he may turn. That may means there's a possibility. It can happen. But where the Lord speaks, he says he will be jealous. There's no doubt. Use of the word will means specifically it is going to happen without any doubt. He will be jealous and take pity. And then 19, the Lord will reply to them and say, I am sending you grain, new wine and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Throughout, he refers to the word will. But I am sending. He's not saying I will be sending at some day in the future. He says, in the midst of this destruction, this situation you found, find yourselves in, and the destruction um, threatening to send, if you render a will, I am sending this. Isaiah Isaiah 66:24 says, "Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear." And this is exactly what that word "am" means. Whilst you are rendering your heart, whilst you're praying to me, I am sending. What am I sending? Remember, there's destruction of everything. But I am sending grain, new wine, and oil. Enough. Is that correct? Enough. I've, Jesse, my son, and I got this thing about enough and enough. So I'm just trying to get the pronunciation right. I am sending enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn. So immediately in the interim, as an interim measure, I am sending you this blessing. He then goes on to say, I will. So instead of the am, which is now immediately, I will is a future thing. I will drive the northern army far from you, pushing it into the parched and barren land, with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear into the western sea. And its stench will go up, its smell will rise. I am sending you protection. I am sending your enemies away. That's the first promise. If you do that, I will give you protection. Surely he has done great things. Be not afraid, O land. 
Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Be not afraid, O wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the wine yield their riches. Be glad, O people in Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in, the, in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. <coughs> Three times he calls. He says, be not afraid to the land, because the Lord has done great things. Therefore rejoice. And then he says, be not afraid, animals, rejoice. And then be glad, people. Then verse 24, we get to the second promise. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. So I will provide for you physically. I'll give you protection, but I'll also provide for you physically. And then he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And he refers back, and we can confirm it. You can tick it. The great locusts, which we refer to in, in one, the great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent amongst you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be ashamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again, never again will my people be shamed. So, this thing of lo the locusts. <clears throat> this is not a situation which happened, which the Lord allowed to happen. This is something which the Lord brought about. He said, I will send the locusts. And then, you'll recall, we, we read that in front of this army, the Lord, um, the Lord was in front of his army. And then he says, my great army which I have sent. So this destruction, if, if you don't render your heart before the destruction, but thereafter, the destruction which I brought up upon you to punish you, I will restore that. It's not that I'm going to forgive you and I am then going to bless you by giving you enough to overflow so that you will never be hungry. No, that's not enough. I am going to restore the punishment which I brought upon you. Yeah. Is that a good God or not? Uh, I was trying to, to think of an example. I know when I just met Jacques, he, refer, he, he mentioned that he may sometimes exceed the speed limit. 
Um, so let's, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get this right. Let's try. Let's say Jock drives um, and he gets stopped and they fine him for exceeding the speed limit and he's got to pay a thousand rand. Then he, he pays it, but he apologizes and then they say, okay, this record against you that, that you've exceeded this, the speed limit, we're going to wipe that off, um, but we, we're going to give you a thousand bucks back. I mean, that's unheard of. It's, it's, not, it's not an appropriate example, but that's all I can come, uh, come up with. And it's not that he's going to restore partially. He's going to restore all four of those locust swarms that, that has gone through. And then from verse 28, and afterward, I will pour my spirit on all my people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That is the third promise. That's the spiritual. So we had the protection, the physical, and the spiritual blessing. And interestingly, this, um, we, we know that Peter um, preached it. Peter referred to it in that preach in, in Acts 2 with 3,000 people were added. Um, it's also referred to in Romans. But the pouring out of, on his, his, of his spirit on all people so that all would prophesy is actually the fulfillment of a promise which Moses had. Um, Moses Just bear with me. Let me find it. Sorry, it is in Numbers. I'm looking in Exodus. It is in Numbers 11:29. So what had happened is Moses um, <coughs> was in the presence of the Lord, and then people came and, and complained to him that there were other people who were prophesying. And Moses said in verse 29, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. Yeah. So what happened on the day of Pentecost was something which, which the Lord laid on Moses' heart many years before. The further thing is, there is no distinction anymore. At the time when this prophecy was written, only men were counted. Women weren't counted. Children weren't counted. Only men of the people of the Lord, the Israelites. Here the Lord says, I will pour it out on all people, no matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, young and old men, servants, women, even children. 
So there is no distinction anymore. It is there for everyone, for each and every one. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said amongst the survivors whom the Lord calls. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. One day, the day of the Lord, is great and dreadful. Two completely opposite experiences with two completely opposite consequences. For some, it's going to be great. For others, it's going to be dreadful. The choice is yours. The choice is ours. Every man, woman, child has a choice. Do I want it to be a great day or a dreadful day? And how do I do that once I've decided? How, how do I guarantee, secure, that it's going to be great or dreadful? We find it in the very next verse. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, choice is yours. No matter what your history is, you call on the name of the Lord, it's going to be a great day. Um, there was a reference this morning to Jenny's Psalm, is it 139, verse 5, where he goes into the future to light it for us, but he also protects us from the rear, from the back. It's like he, he builds a screen to protect us from our past, from our iniquities in the past. It can't catch us. I subscribe to um, messages that has been sent out by Gretchen Rodriguez and Brian Simmons. Um, it's called Whispers, and once or twice a week you get a, an email with a short message. The day that I prepared this word, this was the message. The heavenly realm is yours, beloved. The kingdom of heaven is my gift to you. Bring your heart into my kingdom until you are transformed from the inside out. The kingdoms of the earth will fade and fall. But my kingdom will increase and take you from glory to glory. Only come, abide in my presence. Linger under the refreshing streams of love that flow from my heart to yours. Allow me to fill every crevice, every fiber of your being. Seated with me, you will find that everything is at rest. Faith becomes the flow of life when you are at my side. Miracles and nothing more than my kingdom piercing the veil and coming into the earthly realm. Faith is the currency of heaven that brings miracles. Take your place of rest and believe, for my day of power is upon you. Come and learn of me 
and I will teach you my ways and unveil my heart. Sit, sit under mercy's fountain and live in me, for I am your God. And still, on the same day, after or whilst I'm preparing, and reposted on the group a prophecy which the Lord gave her for the church on 4 May 2020. And with a blessing, I'm reading it out, and I think um, it will be yeah, on the screen. My people, you are so precious to me. That's why I say this word is for today. Because on that day that the Lord convinces me to preach from Joel about his goodness, I get that email on Whispers and Aunt Anne's um, prophecy. And the worship team said, uh, they said, including that song, The Goodness of God, my people, you are so precious to me. My heart jumps with joy when I see how you are responding how you have responded to this time of difficulty and distress. There's nothing to fear, my children, but there's much to rejoice in. You are like the proverbial diamond under pressure right now, but after the refining process, you will emerge as a precious jewel in my hand. Do not fear that the pressure will break you. I know what you can handle, which is more than you think, and I've promised not to crush you, but to provide the way of escape. What is the way of escape? It is my presence, the unseen, glorious, powerful presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do you, how do you get there? Through thanksgiving, praise and worship, through prayer and meditating on my word. These are the simple tools you already know, but the busyness of your lives has impacted negatively on practicing these tools. Now can you see the beauty of this time you find yourself in? I'm inviting you, my children, in this unprecedented time of hardship to seek my face more earnestly and intentionally than ever before. Don't delay, come. I promise you, will not be disappointed. I have so much to share with you. Secrets to uncover, especially for you, and increase beyond your wildest dreams. Come, be at peace. Fix your eyes on me and don't look at the waves of fear or concern. Concern, don't listen to the voice of the wind howling a message of doom and gloom. Fix your eyes on me and just come. This is a time when I'm indeed building, strengthening and reinforcing your inner man. I want to break down strongholds which are holding you back change mindsets which are not in line with my purpose and bringing new growth in you. Why? So that you may reflect me without hindrance, that people in darkness may see and be attracted to the light in you. I want you to be like a brilliantly lit city on a hill. It's time, beloved. Come. <coughs> Stella and I um, in the mornings do a uh, short devotion together and on Saturday last week the 18th of September the scripture was from John 15:4. remain in me as I also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit 
unless you remain in me. And the discussion for the day came from a plan titled Nothing But Jesus, and this is what it says. Uh, try harder to get better mindset has little to do with real transformation. We don't need a new set of tips and techniques that promises to lead us to a deeper life with Jesus. But we can learn to nudge our life in ways that intentionally draw us more deeply into relationship with Jesus. The simple focus of our life habits shifts from working harder to be a better Christian or becoming a good person to knowing Jesus more intimately. And by knowing him much better, we eventually know ourselves much better. That is what progression reveals. Now listen to this. Get to know Jesus well, because the more you know him, the more you love him. And the more you love him, the more you'll want to follow him. And the more you follow him, the more you'll become like him. And the more you become like him, the more you become yourself. In Alpha, um, two weeks ago, it was an Italian priest, can't remember his name, said, the more time you spend with a person, the more you become like him or her. They also said that Jesus is not a personality. He's a person. Last week, Jacques referred, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to land this now. He referred to John 17.3. That is where Jesus is praying in Gethsemane before his arrest. And he says, eternal life means to know and experience you, he's talking to God, as the only true God, and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. As I said in the beginning, we all have our personal circumstances here today. We have all been affected by COVID-19. We've all been affected by the looting. The past, since March last year, how many months is that? Make it 50, 18 months. It's been a time like never before, and it has affected each and every one of us. And as I said, I don't know what your issue is, what the effect on your life has been. I don't know how that has affected your relationship with the Father. Remember in the beginning I said, you may be angry with him because of allowing it to happen. And I said, it is okay. I want to repeat that. It is okay. Because God in my view, is good. It's been good before the garden and afterwards. Let us look at things, let us look at our circumstances from God's point of view 
You know, Joseph, in Genesis 45, 8, said to his brothers, when, they, when, they, when he was the prince and, and they came to and, and recognized him and they were uh, afraid and scared and they apologized for selling him as, as a slave, he said, it was God, not you, who sent me here. You see, Joseph was sold by his flesh and blood into slavery into, in, in Egypt, a land far away, where he had to work as a slave. He was falsely accused. He was thrown in jail for years. He was treated unfairly and badly. But he didn't see that. He saw the end result. He saw the plan the Lord had for him. And that's why he said to them, it's not you that sent me here, it's, it's God for this purpose, for today, for this day. And it's the same for all of us. I'm going to ask the media team to, to, to play a song. And again, this was decided long before I knew what the set list was. Five minutes, and I want us, I'm going to close the meeting. Or I'm going to end. It's not for me to close the meeting, it's for Jenny. I'm going to end off. But I want you just to close your eyes, to listen to the song, to speak to your father, to be with him. If you need to, to speak to him about anger which you have felt towards him or feel towards him, if you need to get his a new touch of his love and his goodness in his life, whatever it is, whatever it is in your life, this is between you and the Father. I love your voice. 
Father, your goodness is running after us. Thank you that your goodness is catching us. Lord, we want to sing of your goodness every day. Thank you, Father, that you are a good, good Father. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Cuz, thank you so much. I, I felt the love of a father coming from Cuss as he was sharing and ministering, just longing for us all to know the love of the Father, the goodness of God. And, and just thank you. Thank you for pouring that out. And, and I, wanna, uh, I want us to close the, the service now, but, but I want to give opportunity if you are wanting to, to return to the Lord, as it were, if you're wanting to come and just say, God, here is my heart, and, and I've run away from you, but I'm wanting to run to you and trust you. And if you're wanting to, to do that and to have someone to pray with you and stand with you as you do that, and, and verse 13 um, has spoken to this, but rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. And if you're wanting to just return to the Lord, return your heart to the Lord. Um, and so often we run away because we are afraid of, of, of punishment. But yet God is saying, that's not what I've got for you. And so I want to invite you to just come to the front as we close the service and for us to be able to stand and pray with you. So, Father, I speak your blessing on each one that is here. May your words ring and echo in our hearts as we go from here and as we go into this week, Lord, that you would remind us and help us to walk in your goodness the way that you have set out for us. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. And amen. And, and as I close the service, also, I forgot to welcome. If you were here with us for the first time, I'm so sorry. I forgot to welcome you and to celebrate Sia being with us. It's just so nice to have her visiting here from, woo -woo, from Joburg, from Eastern Cape, all the spaces she's in. But, and just so good to see friends and, well, family members uh, that are here with us also for the first time in a long time. And it's just been good to be with you. So God bless you. May we connect with one another as we're going out. We don't have tea and coffee. But, um, but say hello. Uh, share heart. Connect how you're doing as we go. Bless you. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za and for more of our messages, 
visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.